Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Welcome everyone um, to Spiritual Sisters with Sass. Uh, Meredy and I today are going to be talking about emotions. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. We're going to talk about emotions and the fact how many actual true emotions there actually are. Um, we're going to talk about experiences and how we label those. I'm excited for today's podcast. Mind you, I feel like I get excited every time we do a podcast <laughs> because I feel like we always share such like insightful and great information that people can take and use elsewhere. So yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. All right. Well, I love this one because I talk about it a lot and it builds on all the other shit that we've already been talking about. Uh, I was doing a lecture actually on like Inside Timer not too long ago. And I started talking about the four emotions and um, just to throw it out there, glad, sad, mad, mad fear, fearful. Look at you whatever. have a what is that? It's a really big ant, and when it bites, it really hurts. I thought it would be something exciting, and instead, it's something really gross. Well, it's a look. It's coming to get you, man. It's like a the bite's like an eight out of ten, I think. So, I don't want it to come pain wise. Yeah, like it hurts. Yeah, so hopefully, it just stays away from me. Um, yeah, and so I said, yeah, glad, sad, mad, and fearful. And someone said, oh my gosh, well, why are three of them negative? I just want to like put a pin in it because we are going to talk about that but it's like I sat there like yeah what wait what why are you calling your emotions negative right and this is the cool part about what we're going to talk about today and that's what I'm excited about is really breaking that out because I feel like it was our Tony Robbins trip to Amsterdam that the first time this surfaced for me and 
me being like, well, that doesn't feel good. And you and Kalia were like, so what's the difference between bad and good then? And who decides that? And I was like, well, duh. And then all of a sudden I thought about it and I was like, whoa, okay, let's dig into that a little bit. So I love this. So the, the four emotions are sad, glad, mad, and fear. So let's dig into the four emotions. Let's yeah. start there. Well, I mean, I, okay. So I think about the fact that most of us, like think about when you were a toddler and you had a temper tantrum, what did your parents do in response to you expressing your emotions? Because that's what having a temper tantrum is, right? It's like learning that like, I want this thing and I can't have it and now I'm not happy about it. And then like, how am I going to express that? And in general, um, most people, especially I'd say like our age, you know, even like about to maybe my kids becoming parents, maybe some people like maybe like our brother's age becoming parents. There is a more conscious parenting like technique coming about, which I appreciate um, but like, I'm guilty of when my kids have temper tantrum, telling them stop being bad. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, cause I don't know at the time that a two-year-old having a shit fit on the ground was actually like a two-year-old learning how to express their emotions. And yes. that the way that I dealt with that was going to guide them into how to express their emotions. So yeah. I'm super guilty. I am uh, as well of unconscious I feel like every parent is probably like in that exact space of stop acting like an asshole because that's not how you get what you want only we're learning one that's not how we get what we want two this is how I'm feeling and three sometimes it's okay because even as adults we want to go have that fucking temper tantrum and sometimes it's good to go have that fucking temper tantrum the catch is where is it appropriate to have that temper tantrum, right? Like one of the things I have to get kudos to my best friend is if her kids are having a fit, she's like, you're welcome to your feelings, but don't do it right here because you're just going to annoy the people around you. So go upstairs, have your fit and come down when you're done and we can talk about the feelings you were having, right? That's the conscious parenting that you're referring to is let her have her feelings and then let's talk about where it's appropriate, when it's appropriate and how you were feeling in that moment for you to act the way that you did. Right. And and then when it comes to like appropriateness, though, that like that, I don't know, that's subjective to each of us because, you know, like it is important that you learn to express your feelings. But like just because I'm expressing my feelings, does that mean that I can call you a bunch of swear words? Does that mean I can punch you in the face? Does that mean that I can like scream? I'm in a retreat center right now. Can I just walk around screaming to everybody that I'm not happy? Like, there Again, is. though, this is that societal norm. So this comes down to what society has taught us is okay. And and I'm sorry, I'm super grateful for some of those things because you walking past me and punching me because you're in a bad mood or you calling me names because you're struggling, which is one of the things I always say is just because you're feeling away doesn't make it okay for you to treat me in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. But And I'm grateful that that societal norm has made it so that you can't walk up and punch me because I pissed you off. But also... That's where this whole thing about appropriateness comes, because what is appropriate, what we think is appropriate is that learned behavior that we've been taught for that first zero to six to seven to nine years of growing up. Yeah. 
again, I'm grateful for it because I don't want to walk around and somebody be in a bad mood and just decide I'm the right person to punch. Right. But yeah, if I, so if I look back at my childhood, you know, I think that the messaging that I got and know that I'm just as guilty with my children, the messaging that I got is like, that's bad. So it's bad to have emotion. That's it. That's what oh, okay. I've got. So let's dig into that a little bit. Cause one of the things that I'm a little curious about is the fact that I had the same upbringing as you. Um, I had the same shut the fuck up as you, especially when expressing my emotions. And yet I don't struggle with expressing my emotions quite nearly as much, even though we both had that, like shut us down. Yours then went physical, right? You would get beat up for continuing to have your emotions. Mine, I guess stopped, but I'm, I'm looking at this going, well, this is interesting because yeah, you were shut down more often, I guess, than I was, or we, even then we were both shut down constantly, but within that we were in Amsterdam. It's interesting that Amsterdam keeps coming up for this. Cause we were in Amsterdam and we were doing something, a lady cut, cut in front of me. Do you remember this? We were waiting in a really long lineup and we had been in that lineup for a while. And then this, this lady cut in front of me and I literally like tapped her on the shoulder and I was like, no, I don't think so. You need to go to the back of the line. And she looked at me and was like, what? And I was like, no, you're not doing that. You need to go to the back of the line, just like everybody else. And when she got out of line and went to the back of the line, you were like, wow, everybody knows how Meredith feels. And I wasn't even offended about it. I literally was like, yeah, what's the problem with that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a total bitch to her. I wasn't rude. I guess in some ways you might consider what I said rude or whatever. I literally just said how I felt in that moment. Yeah. I think that we're also taught like, um, we're taught like we have a, a Canadian culture, right? Which mm -hmm. in itself is quite interesting because Canadians, I don't think have been around to have that much of a culture. It's a, it's very multicultural. Um, yeah. And so as a Canadian, I know, like, I need to apologize a lot and yeah. don't be rude. And what that's translated to me for, like, to me is people pleasing, is not saying how I feel, uh, not calling someone out for cutting in front of me, um, because that would be rude. And so, you know, it, you say we had the same upbringing, but we've talked about, and we've talked about several times about like how that same upbringing felt completely different to each of us. And how the narration is different. Yeah. So for my experience of, of the situation for you is like, one of the things that we know is like, if you cried really quick, people would just back off. Right. Yep. And yep. my experience was, I'm not gonna cry. I think that's yeah. why- no how hard you try you won't get the best you won't get the better of me in yes. this situation so then that became between um between us like mom and I that became more of our struggle of like I'm I'm not gonna cry a and power struggle you're going to cry um whereas for your experience was more just like if she got mad you'd start to cry Right. And then that would end better for you. And so, or whatever that looks like. So I think that I learned to be tough because then I took on this role of mom with it, like of your mom, of Travis's mom yep. within this family dynamic. Um, and so then I couldn't cry. And I even saw it actually when I was back in Canada in September, I was with my girls. I was really missing Ro like my partner. And um, I, 
I was visiting summer and I was, you know, I was struggling. I was having like jealousy issues, worth issues. Like a lot of things were coming up for me. And summer was like talking or my daughter was talking to me about like, um, you know, it gets better and this and that. And I remember this moment of like, my daughter's like coaching me and mm -hmm. I was just having such a hard time. And I started to, I wanted to cry and I held it back. Didn't really notice, but I kind of took note because I swallowed it back. And then the next morning I was with my youngest daughter and we were talking and she said something. And again, I held it back. And I remember having this moment of like, wait, what was that? Because in these things, I always teach about don't apologize for having emotion ever. And then like, there's never a wrong time to have emotion, which I don't believe there is. And so I was like, well, why did I just hold that back? And what, what came to me was like this strong mom. I'm not in my element of teaching teacher trainings. I'm the mom right now to my girls. And I'm acting like I did when I, I know you can probably hear noise in the background. So just note it, just like saying Actually, that, but like, okay, good. In, in, in that, I was just like back in my role of like this tough mom. That's an emerge nurse that doesn't care about anything except like this dark humor about everything's gory and hilarious. And I called myself out. I told both kids, hey, I held back tears. And um, I don't know why. And when I thought about it is because I was like trying to be the strong mom for you. And the truth is I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard time. I'm depressed. I miss my partner. And I'm struggling with my own worth, which felt harder to say to my kids. Yeah. Because I want them to think I'm like this strong, amazing woman, which I think they think. And, um, and, and I don't want to wreck that for them to see yeah. that their mom's this wimpy whiny like and see even hear my description I was just gonna say but the words that you're using yeah. to describe that too you would never use those words I don't think to describe me no I'm not wimpy and whiny you would call me vulnerable exposed yeah authentic emotional and instead yeah. it's wimpy whiny yada 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 yeah. and like and for my kids that's also been a thing for me is because I am vulnerable and I expose myself on here. I expose myself on my lives. I expose myself everywhere. One reason that I've done that. And one of the reasons I've chosen that behavior is also, yes, it had to do with childhood for sure. But what I've seen is that if I am brutally honest with you and I open up in those ways, people have a significantly harder time coming at you hard and mean and nasty when you're saying, Hey, your words are hurting me right now hey, the way that this is going doesn't feel good for me right now instead of meeting the energy that you're bringing with yeah. more of that because I see all you see is this, like this fist to fist hammering each other with that hard energy. Whereas I noticed if I come in with an open hand, that fist doesn't come at me anymore. Now I'm getting this more gentle, okay, hey, I'm trying to keep myself calm because I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm these things. And let's get back into that with the four emotions, frustrated, angry, all of those things that's mad. And more often than not, we cover up our, uh, that major emotion, we cover up with something else. A thought. So yeah, if, and for me, I, I guaranteed, if I'm feeling frustrated at you, if I'm feeling annoyed with you, if I'm feeling um, ashamed of myself, if I'm feeling any of those feelings, almost every time I'm like, ooh, someone is hurting my feelings and I need to look at why I'm hurting right now. And again, that's a reflection of me, not of the person that I'm talking to. Yes, they may have said something that hurt my feelings. And sometimes that person is saying something to intentionally hurt your feelings. 
But if I can stop myself and look at it and be like, hey, why am I having this feeling more often than not? And in that moment, if I say, wow, that hurt or, oh my God, ouch, someone isn't going to keep coming at you with that hard, nasty energy. Suddenly they're coming at you with, oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. Or, oh my God, shit, I hurt you. And I kind of meant to, and I'm sorry for that behavior. Let's talk about this further. Yeah. And a lot of these feelings, so I hear this all the time, is like, that makes me, that makes me, you and I talk about this because I'm like the word Nazi, right? I'm always like, "Mm, what are you saying? So that makes me, it's like taking personal responsibility for your feelings is one of the most important things that you can do. Because I can roll into this uh, Zoom and I can be like, hey, Meredy, you're a fucking purple monster. Right? Are you offended? No. No. Okay, now if you grew I up like purple, <laughs> if you grew up and your your mom, your dad, your your adult that took care of you constantly said, "Oh, look at every time you fucked up," they'd be like, "Oh, look at you, purple monstering again," or like, "Oh, look at Meredy, the little purple monster," or like continued to go on about like what a purple monster you were in a negative like connotation then me saying that would offend you but in a room of 27 other people you would be the only one that was offended so it wasn't me that offended you and it wasn't my words that offended you it was actually you that were offended yes right because there's a part of you that I'm like picking at you know I could call you a boss ass bitch And you can take that in a way like, you're right, I am. Or if someone called you a bitch all the time, and then I use that word, and I'm using it in a positive way, you could still take offense to the fact that I just called you a bitch. bitch. Right? Avoiding the boss ass part of it. Right. Only hearing the other part. Yes. So that starts to become a space where we can say, instead of you made me feel It's I feel it's taking responsibility for your feelings. And by taking responsibility for your feelings is the moment where you get to acknowledge and actually feel them. Mm -hmm. So like the idea in the personal development world is like you're a kid and then something happens like you I don't know, you spend a bunch of time coloring a picture for three hours and you make sure none of the crayons go out of the lines, you know, and you you're so proud of it. You go take it to your mom and you're like, look what I made you or your dad. And they're busy. And they're like, oh yeah, thanks. And then they just kind of like throw it off to the side. And then there's a story like we were talking about last week, the ego, I'm not good enough. That means nothing. All my hard work means nothing to these people. So then, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like go stop being a bother. There's a reaction that happens right there in that moment that creates a story. And now the subconscious story is going to draw in more to prove that to be right to you. So every time you are in a situation, you probably will end up being the bother. And then, you know, you're 43 years old and I'm sitting here. I'm like, hey, you're being a bother that's going to upset you because it's not just a reaction to this time of you and I talking, but that first time that you didn't express, Hey, I don't like that. How am I being a bother? Please explain to me how not to be a bother, right? Like, cause you're three. So (laughs) you, all you hear is that. And then now if every time you're in that situation, there's a repressed emotion that's being kind of like stuck in the body 
and it's hit on over and over and over again. So by the time you're 43 and we're having a conversation and I call you a bother, you're bringing the enragement, like the rage of 40 years of proving to yourself that you're a bother. And now Colin's just going to fucking hear about it all. Yeah. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting how like, each of us have our own thing because again, that purple monster. So for me, it means nothing. But if that was what it was referred to when we were children, that purple monster suddenly does matter. And that's where this, your triggers are your own. So if I say something, I didn't know what, how you were raised. I didn't know that your mom spoke to you in that way. I didn't know that your dad spoke to you in the way. I didn't know that your dad was an alcoholic. For example, if I ask you, do you have a drinking problem? And suddenly you're incredibly triggered by that conversation. I didn't know. All I did was ask a question, right? So knowing that these things can trigger ourselves and then owning that is also taking personal responsibility. Wow. I heard you say something and I therefore felt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it makes it so that it's interesting because again, let's go back to the four emotions because glad is a pretty clear one. We know that glad is what we call the good emotion. It's the one that we say feels good. It's the one that we're willing to sit in. It's the one that we can refer to as pleasure. Um, It's the one we can refer to as the fun one. But now what I'm doing is labeling an emotion. Yes. And no, but let's look at this before you even move on. I know where you're going. And let's just say that we handled every emotion the same way we handled happiness or glad or joy. Because if I'm so funny, right? So I say a joke right now, we both laugh. I'm thinking about a time that like my partner's dad died. My mom came to the funeral. She sat at the head table and she goes, oh my God, what am I doing here? And uh, my partner at the time made some joke and he like, he's like, fuck them if they can't take a joke or something. And he literally like grabbed a fly out of the air and shook it up and then like threw it. it. It was fucking hilarious anyways. And we all started to laugh. We're at the head table at the funeral of this guy's dad. And he does this funny joke and we all laugh, right? Of course, everybody's like, ah, that's Why are you laughing? Yeah. Yet when it comes to that emotion, we tend to express it in some way in the moment. Even if I say a joke and like, let's just say same situation, but not so uh, obvious, we would be like... Right. Like there would be an acknowledgement of that feeling in our body. And what happens when when that happens is that we acknowledge it and we move through it. Emotion, energy in motion. So if it's not in motion and we stuff it in our body, where does it go? Which we're going to talk about. But like with the emotion of joy, glad, happy, or happy, whatever you want to say in that the terms of that feeling we acknowledge and express it immediately. And in order to heal it, you have to feel it. Let's say that we treated it the way that we treat other ones. And like you tell a joke and I hold it in because it's inappropriate to laugh. We keep going. I hold it in. I hold it in. I hold it in. There's someone says something funny on the radio. I hold it in. I get home. I bump into my partner. And then I'm just like, (laughs) 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 watch where you're going right like my partner would be like okay 
right right because if we did it would be the same but like let's just say the opposite I hold in tears all day or I hold in anger all day I get home I run into my partner it's not abnormal to either burst into tears or blow up all over them this is just normal life right this is what we do we hurt the ones that we love we love the most but imagine that you were expressing it just as it came up. There'd be nothing left to explode into when you bumped into your partner or they bumped into you. So this is why I think we tend to label that one as good and positive because we feel it all the time. And we express it immediately. Yeah. And then anytime we feel negative, say sad, we don't immediately cry. We have that hold back. We have that keeping it in and then it sits in your chest or your stomach or wherever it is that you hold your feelings. Mine is often in my chest and then moves to my throat because then I can't express or say what I'm feeling. Um, and then I'm not moving through it for sure. I'm, well, there it is again. I'm, I'm not sitting with it. Whereas with laughter, it's so easy for us to feel it, let it move, feel it, let it move. And if, imagine if we got in, in, inquisitive, imagine if in the moment that you just allowed yourself to cry and then ask yourself, I wonder why I'm crying right now. What am I feeling? What, what just happened that made me feel the way I'm feeling? What did that person say? Not what did that person cause in me, but what did that person say? And how does that related to my past? Because if I, we can move through that emotion out of your chest and out of your body, often out our mouths, then we are able to feel more and we have room and space and capacity for more emotion. I have this really good visual that I've been bringing up in the last little while because, okay, so nervous system, which I think is like the most important part of our body. Um, So we we have the nervous system. We have every situation like this situation right now. And there's two things going on all the time. We're processing two things. Number one, the logistics. So, you know, you're where you are. I'm in Costa Rica. Um, It's you and I. We're sisters. I don't know. It's 28 degrees Celsius out here. Like, there's all these. <laughs> I did just finger her because it is not 28 degrees here. Let me tell you. Okay. Hold on. Side note. When you <laughs> Canadians say I fingered you. And do you know what that means? Like in other cultures? <laughs> I don't know if I want to know now. <laughs> so uh, what it is, is like you gave me the finger, which I'm like, well, that's just the same thing. But anyways, in Canada, we say fingered as a way of like flipping the bird or giving somebody the middle finger. Um, so when you said I just fingered her right now, I I know the US mindset was like, wait, what? <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> I gotta see that oh, video. Yeah. Um <laughs> so okay, so we have those logistics, they're super easy to process all the time. Um yeah. they're just happening. And what happens is as we're processing it, it goes over into short-term memory storage. Then when we go to bed at night, it goes from uh short-term memory storage to long-term memory storage. So those are our dreams. So that's fine and dandy. What's the second thing we're processing is the somatics of the situation. So the way that we feel. Now, when we're in fight or flight, we can't process the somatics because uh, the idea is that's not energy efficient. If I'm dying, do I have time to stop and think about like, how do I feel about this? No, I need to save my life and I can think about it later. So a majority of us are in a state of chronic fight or flight, right? We're in a stress response on a regular basis. Believe it or not, this is why we have so many chronic ailments and stuff. So most of us aren't processing our emotions. 
So in my head, this I have this visual, and I used to fish a lot when I was younger, right? When with my dad, and my grandpa, and all that stuff. And one of the things that when you pull a fish out of the ocean or even the lake, one thing that they have are these little sea lice, and the sea lice are like these clear little things that attach to the fish. And I remember I used to fuck around with them all the time, and. I imagine our unprocessed emotions as sea lice that kind of cling all around our body. Have you ever gone to a yoga class and the teacher says, you hold your emotions in your hips? All the time. Yeah, bullshit. Anyways, we hold emotions in our whole entire body, Everywhere. not just our hips. Yeah. So, and that's our fascial system. The fascial system is innervated. So there's six times more neurons coming to the fascial system than anywhere else other than the skin. So the idea is that our body mind that's always talked about in yoga and all these other ideas is actually our fascial system. It's a second nervous system. And guess where those sea lice are clinging to? Our fascial system. So the fascia is more like, well, there's a binding layer between my skin and the next layer, right? That's superficial fascia. And that's kind of the fascial system that I'm speaking about. There's also the deep fascia that is surrounding everything in our body. So I imagine that you're just walking around every emotion that you haven't processed. Every time you haven't, you've gotten angry and you haven't said something. Every time you swallowed back your tears. Every time you held back. Every time you were fearful and like, oh, this is bad. Took a pill, anxiety, panic attacks. Any time that's a sea lice. And just imagine like at some point, I mean, I'm 44. I'm pretty sure there's probably like my fascial system is that is my fascial system. It's just sea lice. I mean, let's and talk about even in just emotion. one day, the amount of stress that some of us go yeah. through or process or don't process or don't process. So and then this idea that. is that your emotions, the sea lice are actually tension in the fascial system. And if you don't pay attention to them, then eventually you're going to have an injury a chronic ailment based yeah. on the non-processing. Now, how do you process? Well, it's a cliche saying, but you have to feel to heal. That's it. You have to yep. acknowledge the emotion and you have to feel it. And it doesn't matter where it came from because the idea is just like we were talking about, it's the same fucking story from when you were three. You've yep. just been reliving it over and over and over again, being offended by the same thing repeatedly yep. because you haven't spoken up that takes me to the untethered soul yeah um, by michael singer and in it he talks about walking around with a thorn in your side and that you get two choices you can walk around with that thorn in your side and then you can build an apparatus around the thorn in your side and hope that people don't touch it i'm going to build the apparatus so people don't bump it people don't touch it or you can take the goddamn thorn out, thorn out. yeah and if you take the thorn out it's actually going to allow it to heal so feeling the feelings so that you can heal that is going to be like the biggest part of the, the process. I got to tell you that the more you build that apparatus, because I'm the queen of the apparatus, I used to be, I shouldn't say I am anymore. I used to be the queen of the apparatus. And if you got too close to it, I would shove you away. I would kick you out. I would remove you from my life. That means that I still have my ways of coping, but my apparatus seemed to get bigger and bigger and it would make it hard to walk through a door. You know, it would make it hard to have anybody in my life because I didn't want to welcome anyone in because you might hit it because everyone else did. Right. And instead of suffering with that any longer, I finally was like, you know what? I don't want to be in this type of pain anymore. Now, that being said, 
I'm going to say probably my, one of my biggest traumas is obviously my relationship with my mother. And so that's something that I can say all day. I've worked on this. 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 And I have probably as many times as I could say it, I have worked on this, but there are 43 years of this bullshit, actually even longer because when my mom found out she was pregnant with me, she didn't want to be pregnant with me. So there's nine months inside of her that she didn't even want me because I wasn't supposed to be there. She was going for an IUD when they said, we cannot give you an IUD, you're pregnant. So there's 40, almost 44 years of trauma that you don't even realize that you have, that you need to be healing through, that you need to be working on, that you need to be open to accessing. And so every time I'm working through another piece of that mom trauma, there's still far more that's going to come up and that I need to surface. It's just that maybe at that point, there's a period that I have just healed one less piece that I have to process in the future. But there's 365 days in a year and there are like 80,000 seconds in a day. Imagine how many seconds of trauma you have from that same thing. And that's the piece where you were talking about like the way that we can hide it. And then we can move back into like the negative thing that you were talking about is like once we have the opportunity to feel or heal we often don't and we don't even know because unconsciously we're taught that emotions are bad and we don't want to feel them so mm -hmm. you know like for example I live in Costa Rica and I'm not with my kids and so one of the things that I will think when I start to feel in my chest something I will immediately move to a thought of guilt I'm a bad mom I'm guilty right I'm a, and other people will tell me this too like how can you live so far away from your own children and so then I'll sit in that like I'm such a bad mom like I I feel so fucking guilty like my poor kids what am I doing I'm thinking I'm up here instead of in here uh -huh. And the opportunity right here is to be like, okay, Clint, that me living in Costa Rica has nothing to do with if I'm a good mom or a bad mom. Yep. It, what's the truth? The truth is I'm a mom and I live in Costa Rica. Another piece yep. is my kids live in, you know, not in Costa Rica. Yeah. So, and that's also pulling and being objective, which means not having emotion within right. the thought. Right. So if you're going to allow yourself to have the thoughts, you need to be objective about the thoughts because- your feeling is something completely different. If you're going to feel, feel in your chest. If you're going to think, fine. That takes me straight into Tony Robbins and get in your head, you're dead. Because if you get in your head and you sit, you're going to spiral. Guaranteed, you're going to spiral. You're going to go down roads that make no sense. You're going to go down and think about things that don't even apply. Like the fact that, so what if you live in Costa Rica? How does that affect my parenting at all? Right. When my children need me, I'm still there for them. Right. When they call, I'm there to answer the phone. No, you and, don't get to hug your kids as much as you might want to, but right. who says that they want to hug you right. that <laughs> And even sitting with it, then like, if I get out of my head, you know, around that, the idea is like, what's the underlying emotion? Well, sad. I'm sad. And so then in those moments, I can be like, oh, I'm sad. And then I can sit with the fact that I'm sad and feel my sadness. And then I can move on because... I'm I'm not moving away from Costa Rica, not right now anyways. And so, the reality is the kids aren't going to be moving to you anytime soon. Right. So I can stay in a place of guilt, which is thought, and then repression of emotion. Mm -hmm. Or I can do something different. 
And that's been the work lately is like sitting with, okay, so we often respond to an emotion with a thought. Okay. If it's not, I am glad, I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm fearful. It's a thought and underneath it is an emotion. So stop with the thoughts, get out of your fucking head, get into your body start to notice what does this feel and then what's the label for the emotion that you're having and then have it and not just that but one of the best ways to do that because you're in your head is to start to stop being your head is to stop for a second and take a deep breath because it literally is going to clear out your mind for a second and then you can ask yourself okay so what is the feeling i'm having where is it showing up and what does that feeling feel like and what's the actual emotion behind that feeling And then when you're like, okay, I'm sad. Okay, so sit and feel it. And this is actually, I love, I have to tell you guys, the universe does this to me over and over and over all the time. And what it does is it shows me something and then it shows it to me multiple times again. So one of my friends is struggling right now. He really, really likes this girl, really likes this girl. But she's made it very clear that she just wants to be friends because she needs something that moves really slow. And he, I want to say entertained in the sense that He continued having conversations with other women because this one wasn't going anywhere. That being said, that's all it was. It was entertaining conversations with other women because if this one that I really care about, our fear of losing the one that we care about is going to happen, he gets inside his head and starts this other bullshit. Well, I'll just talk to this one because it fills me with whatever right now. This also comes into our New Year's resolutions in the sense that, you know, we have this idea that. I'm going to do all these great things. And now I've got 10 things that are way too overwhelming for me to even accomplish one of. So instead, people go for the instant gratification. What's going to feel good right now? What if we actually stopped for a second and planned for the long term? The reason that you and I have the lives we have is because we don't go for that instant gratification. Yeah, I could. But what's the long term outcome of that instant gratification? So that's a conversation that him and I had. And this was a few weeks ago. Well, if you did entertain this, because they were just starting to talk at that point, if you continue to entertain this, where do you think it's going to go? Which is why he stopped fully entertaining that, but was still caught up in the instant gratification of, but I also still need to feel good. Again, the label, he needs to feel good right now because his own fear of getting inside his head and having too many thoughts took him away from the reality of, I'm scared, I'm fearful that I'm not going to get the thing that I think will work for me long-term. So this situation is such a perfect example of how we will make choices in stupid things. And this happens all the time. You guys, I see it all the time in all of my coaching clients. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, how is that going to serve your long-term goal? Because your long-term goal is over here and your instant gratification is actually going to make you go 10 steps backwards. So what are you doing? What's the more important thing? For me, small, consistent steps. Those are going to be the things that lead me to my long-term goal. And yes, sometimes my small, consistent steps (laughs) give me instant gratification, but not very often. It's the same as going to the gym. Are you going to walk in the gym, have a workout, which, yeah, feels good, but walk out and be like, shit, I still feel fat and be like, I'm never going back again. No, going to the gym is this long-term outcome, this big overall goal You can't get it in one month, in one week. You need to do it over the long term. So sitting in your feeling and finding out that that instant gratification really isn't going to give you the answer you're looking for. 
Yeah. And the other thing that I hear you saying is like that instant gratification is also based on somebody else. So it's yes. bypassing self-love. Yes. Looking to somebody else to fill you up. Yeah. Right. This one situation isn't working for him. And so he needs to pull from somebody else. Instead of from feel himself. Feel good. Instead yeah. of just like pay some attention to self and feel good from self. Yes. It's unfortunate it, because it is something that we do like quite unconsciously, again, being taught that yeah. um, it's like I you have an, you know, I think about the the airplane all the time. You know, we get on the airplane, we watch the video or watch the attendants and they say in the case in in a case of the you know loss of cabin pressure, take a mask, put it on your face then help other people right because you think about it if you can't breathe and you die and then you can't help anybody else and then so everybody will die right so yeah I love that as um uh like as a visual like just think about this for a second how we're behaving is literally looking at the person who might be putting an oxygen mask on themselves but that person might have actually put it on by stealing it from someone else and we're trying to steal it from them if you want a visual of what the fuck yeah. we're doing when we're going to other people to feel better. This that's is true. Pretty sad, right? Like I just yeah. had that and I was like, oh God, and that's me. Like I've done that. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so that leads us kind of into the love thing. Yeah. Doesn't it? And for me, there's been this like real awakening of what love really is in us and that for me now the word love does not align with what our society calls love because when you fall in love with someone you're really falling in love with someone who makes you feel good about yourself when you fall in love with someone you're looking at the way they make you feel and now this is a conversation I've had with a few people because they're like no 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 like I feel secure and I'm like and who made you feel secure? Oh, I'm not thumbs up in here. Um, but who made you feel that secure or that security? It wasn't you because you would have felt that the entire time. And this person coming in your life wouldn't have changed that. So the way that you make me feel is what makes me love you. That's the part that's kind of fucked up about what I look at this whole love is incredibly selfish thing. And it actually surfaced for me in two of my friends being diagnosed with different diseases. And then the people's reaction to their diseases in, they hadn't even processed the fact that one of them was told you're going to die really soon. You have stomach cancer. And the other one being told you have ALS, you're about to die over the next five years. Now the people's reaction to them being, oh my God, I'm going to be so sad without you oh my God, this is how it's going to impact my life. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Not, oh my God, how are you feeling about the fact that you were just told you're going to die? How is any of these, oh my goodness. How is any of these things truly impacting your life? Instead, it became all about the people that had just been told about the diagnosis, not Mm -hmm. the person with the actual Mm -hmm. diagnosis. Love is an incredibly selfish thing. And we all associate that incredibly selfish thing with a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about the bad feelings because the bad feelings aren't really bad feelings. They're just discomfort. And we don't like being uncomfortable. Right. We are governed by the pleasure principle. Like in general, nervous system wise, 
as a caveman that doesn't have language right the bad the bad feeling tells us like we're gonna die and the good feeling like eating means we're gonna live yes but we're not cavemen no no we're so far from that and that's they always use and of course i remember the one about the saber-toothed tiger because tigers are my thing but that the sensation that you used to have was because a saber-toothed tiger was near and you're probably gonna die Mm -hmm. but again when you eat you know you're not so for us now that we're nowhere near needing any of those things to keep us alive the good feelings get that association of of good and we won't move away from from pleasure which is why we don't learn anything right. in pleasure we will move away from pain to find pleasure but that is also how come we learn so much in pain and in my belief system about why we're here on this planet I have this belief system that essentially you hear about like hell on earth as if, if you want to call it that, like I hear about this all the time and people talk about hell on earth. I feel like earth is the hell, if you want to call it that in the sense that we're here to experience these feelings. We're here to go through these emotions, these experiences, this discomfort, this pleasure. We also need the contrast in order to have any idea what any of it feels like in in a similar vein is like right we are consciousness we're source we're like in a constant when we're not in the physical body we're in a constant like basically cuddle puddle of love and so if that's the only feeling that you ever feel how do you evolve you can't so we have the human experience so we can suffer yes and that's why I say I feel like earth is our place of hell on earth is because the purpose of being on earth is to suffer. It's to experience. I like the word experience better than suffer. Um, And if you're going through suffering, if you change your mindset about looking at the situation that's happening around you and thinking, what can I learn from this? I promise you, you will process that entire situation experience faster and differently because now it's not, I'm here to be victimized. I'm here to suffer. I'm here to be punished. It's none of those things. And it will also, and maybe for you as well, for me, it helps me because of the fact that one of my best friends is slowly dying. So it helps me to understand that, you know what, when she leaves here, she won't be suffering. She won't be experiencing. She won't be going through the bullshit that we have to go through every day. And in some ways I'm like, well, when you go, when my grandmother passed, it wasn't as sad for me Mm -hmm. because she suffered a lot in her last few years especially the last two, not having her store and feeling like a failure, even though she was in her eighties and really did need to retire. I feel like I didn't suffer as much through it because I knew that she was in a way better place than we are right now. So that feeling alone allowed me to process that process it that much easier. My friend and I that is past is dying slowly. And I have had many hard conversations about assisted suicide, about what that looks like about how I can support her through that. And she has asked me if I will be there. And that part was really hard for me. But at the same time, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do anything I can to be there for you during this process, whatever that looks like for you, even though, yeah, it's going to make me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to make me feel things. But for me, the two biggest things that help me move through this life without feeling that, that I'm a victim or that life is is here to get me because I know a lot of us get that sensation of, well, why is it just, why is it every time things good happen, I start falling apart or 
why is my life so great? And then all of a sudden I get hammered because life is good and it's shown you a new level of you. So now you're also going to get a new level of pain right? or a new level of challenge or whatever that is so that you can grow from it. So if you have a mindset of I'm learning from this rather than life is so hard on me, suddenly you're going to have an easier time processing through the uncomfortable feelings and not feeling like a victim. Also for me, if I'm in victim mode, I have zero power to change what's happening around me. Yeah. And if I have no power, then I sit pouting for a really long time. The, the saying is like, hap- life is happening for you, not mm. to you. Yeah. And when we look at it, like if we look at just, just imagine yourself as like some invisible, weird skeleton, right? Suit. And that suit is full of um, sea lice. And the sea lice are attached all over you because whatever, because 44, right? And <laughs> yeah. So the idea here is that like in front of me, let's just say is, because I, I work with people all the time and I get to have people like blame me for all their issues and tell me what a bitch I am on sometimes a regular basis. Um, yeah. And it takes a lot for me to sit in a place of like, oh, this is, this is, you know, like their trauma that they're kind of spewing on me. So the idea is like, if I do get upset about something that there's an opportunity for me to grow, like if somebody tells me that I think I'm better than them, this is one I've heard a lot, you know, even you and I have had that conversation of like, you think you're better than me. In fact, uh, my partner and I had a fight, a fight um like last week and he said to me I'm not your Spanish teacher don't treat me like the help and I'm like there it is again like I could be upset because I don't think of my partner as the help like that thought would never come across and as I've said to you and I've said to many other people like inside of me there's not this thought that's like I'm so much better than all of you pieces of shit in fact it's the opposite the complete opposite I'm such a piece of shit so for people to like feel this way so so he says this and I get really upset I feel freaking upset the idea is that like well clearly his stuff is is being hit on too but we want this isn't a this isn't a podcast about him so I I sit with it and I (laughs) right (laughs) I sit with it and I think okay well first of all first and foremost that's his and I and there's more to that but I won't bring it up and then I say but like also I've heard this if a I'm lot feeling it and I'm really it's also mine yes I'm really upset yeah. that that's what he would think and that then his response was so angry and that upset me so his response he told me I'm not I don't want to talk to you right now after he got really mad at me and then he said I don't want to talk to you right now so what happened to me was I went in trauma response because I'm used to this silent treatment behavior. And that is something that I just, I, I, it's something I have trouble handling. And so I felt immediately I'm being punished by my partner, which pisses me off. Right. And, and so what's happening here is that like, what's, what's going on is picking at the sea lice. Like it's reminding me, Hey, I'm here right there, bitch. <laughs> do you want to keep like, do you want to add to it? Or do you want to deal with it? So it takes some time because I, I also can't process it in the moment because I'm in a trauma response. As as, yeah, as soon as we get into trauma response, we don't think clearly, we don't right. act clearly, and we're not ourselves. 
So I go. You are acting like a three-year-old kid yes, essentially in that moment. That's it. My mom's yeah. mad at me and she's not talking to me. What am I supposed to do? So I'm in the place, we are in the places right now, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, I went and did my workout, came back, had my shower, and then we were talking. Now, I still see, like, I sat with it all day. We had Christmas, and I was so upset, and and he was like, hey, we're okay. We're okay. Like, it's okay. I'm not mad, because I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, blah, blah, blah. And then and then I, we're talking, like, days. It takes me days to speak up for myself. And so the next day we're driving home and I'm like, okay, can I ask like a couple favors? First and foremost, like if I talk that way, could you just like tell me, tell me in the moment, like you're using that tone again? Because in that moment, if I hear that, then I need to check myself, not get defensive. I need to check myself because he's upset about the way I'm using a tone and I don't want to upset my partner. So I could just like not use that tone anymore. Right. And then I started saying like some more because then after this is what happened and this is how I felt. So I was able to make it so that next time I don't necessarily go into a trauma response. But like the idea is like how many people are going to tell me that I think I'm better than them before I start to look at this and dive into it and then heal that in me because because like you said and you know and you know the way I think then my thinking is probably so low, my self-esteem, and I don't, I think this is clearing. The The self-esteem is so low that I probably behave with an air of like elitism. Yeah, I know, I understand. feel better. Yep. And don't even know. Yep. And then all I'm stuck in is like, I don't think that, I think the complete opposite, which allows me to be a victim. Because yeah. there's no ill will behind this, but the reality is, is somebody's hurt and now yeah. two people are hurt. So clearly the tone could be fixed or I can just tell everybody they suck, they're stupid, get used to it and like, and not yes. feel anything. And so for me, what that also brings up is as well, how often in our lives do you see a pattern surface multiple times? Yeah. Right. Because if it's coming up for me, since I started doing a lot of this work, it doesn't often come up more than once. And if it does, it's a hard, like, whoa, we're stopping our life right now because this has come up before and I don't fucking like this. I don't like repeating patterns. I don't like repeating mistakes. It is a thing about me. I do not like repeating mistakes, especially when I could have fucking learned from it. And I'm aware I could have fucking learned from it. So how is this coming up again when I thought I dealt with it the last time? So now I need to really dig, dig into that. So for me, seeing that repeating pattern really makes me slow down and talk to myself. I also find in the sense we had this conversation um, not that long ago, not about the fact that you're any better than anyone else, because I do know how you think, but that being vulnerable is really hard for you. And I actually sent her a voice note um, and said, you can, I'm asking permission, but if you don't want to hear the rest of this, don't listen because I'm about to head into what I'm going to ask, what I just asked permission for. And I said, after having our podcast, I felt like if you talk to Rafa, sorry, you talk to your spouse, the way that you spin stuff around on me, that it would be really challenging to be your partner. Because it then feels like you're not owning your shit. Yeah, I see. I'm being fingered right now. I'm <laughs> getting the middle finger. Um, and in that, 
when we did talk, because it took a few days for you to respond to me even about it. Um, and when we did talk, you literally were like, I needed to take a minute with this because this was a really hard, it felt like you were judging me. And I was like, I am not judging at all. I am voicing a concern for it would be, it's hard to have conversations sometimes with you if you're not willing to look at yourself, even though I am fully aware that while you're, cause you do the same thing as I do, which is while I'm projecting onto you, I'm also looking at myself because I'm aware I'm projecting it onto you. So I know you're doing that. And I know that we aren't always super vocal when we're reflecting on mm -hmm. ourselves, right? We're not, when we're talking to someone, we're talking to them to coach them, not to coach ourselves, even though while we're coaching them, we're also coaching ourselves. Yes also making notes to ourselves oh I need to go back and look at this because I'm why am I saying this to this person most of the time for me that happens with my best friend and I am like but I vocalize it with her I'm like okay as I'm saying this I'm realizing there's some shit for me to learn right here in this moment so don't think I'm putting this all on you I just need you to know that you've surfaced this for me because of the words we're talking about or the things we're talking about or the situation and it's making me look at myself as well and for her, me acknowledging that and saying like, I'm not putting this all on you is such a, she then wants to work through whatever it is, whether it's about her or it's about me. Suddenly she's more willing because it doesn't feel like she's being attacked by mm -hmm. me. Right. And so I feel what you're saying because I know for a fact that you don't ever, but we've even had that conversation where I'm like, I feel like you're talking down to me. Don't yeah. talk down to me. I'm not yeah. your, just because I'm your little sister. Yeah. doesn't mean I'm any less than you. And you're like, I'm not trying to talk down to you. And we have that well, conversation. We can follow up on exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, within the processing over the next day, um, and then finally speaking up, um, what came up for me, I said to Rafa, I, or my partner, I said, hey, so something I didn't tell you was that my sister said this to me. So when this happened I said are we going to talk about this because I felt like I was getting punished and he said like the way that you talked to me was blah 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 and my response was yet you talk to me the same way yeah and you met my energy with energy with the same energy he did honestly he got mad at me right away and then he kind of and then he got really mad at me so I'm just like in my head I'm like how can you come at me for this when you're the same way do you know what his response was this happens every fucking time I try to talk to you you mm -hmm. turn it back on me so I sat with that. And then when I was talking to him the next day, I said, so I started like this, my sister, I didn't tell you this, but my sister messaged me and she said that whenever she brings something up to me, I turn it back on her. And so what I'm hearing in this moment, and she even said your name, she said, if you do this to your partner, it's probably really upsetting for him. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> you gotta help it you're a coach what do you do so I was like okay so what I sat with in this time between him saying that and then me saying this to him was that like well clearly I go straight into a trauma response because someone is coming at me about me not being perfect and that in my head the perfect woman the perfect woman the perfect woman the perfect woman right so immediately I think this is what I came up with is I turn it without even being aware onto the person 
so that they don't look at me, but rather will hopefully look at themselves, which is funny because most people don't look at themselves, nope. <laughs> right? So yep. it's kind of interesting that that's what I would do because that would immediately put someone in the defense. But here I am just trying to defend myself, just trying to live, just trying to have you love me. So I said, I don't mean to do that. I want to own this. Here's what I'm saying also is like, I was a certain way and then you were that way back to me. And so I feel like it negates it because you're giving me shit for a behavior that you have as well. And I, I left it there. I didn't go any further. He didn't say anything about it, but it's not up to me to point out to him all the things that are wrong with him or whatever. Yeah. So full circle I wanted to share that with you because it came up when you were saying that that I it it happened and I was open in the moment to like see it happen and and just work through it. it and I think using that is like listen Mary said this and I you know I just noticed that this just happened between us was a really great way for him also not to come into defense when I was trying to come up with a new solution rather than him yeah. just shitting on me and me shitting on him and us being in a crappy relationship well and the hardest thing to do is to get vulnerable the minute you feel hurt mm -hmm. because the minute you feel hurt by someone the answer that you want to have with them is like just a big fuck you I'm not feeling anything especially my trauma is immediately I'm cutting you out I'm done with this you can fuck off and I feel like that one of our podcasts coming up, we should really dig into the attachment styles because there's some great lessons to learn on the attachment styles. Um, but I really feel like in those moments, it's that's the hardest time to stay true to what you've said you want because now you're in defense. But also in the moment, that's when change happens. Right. The hardest moment. So when we're struggling and you call me out on my bullshit, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've done a ton of work on myself around the fact that when you call me out, I might even take a second, but then I'm immediately opening myself up to allow you to come at me instead of getting defensive. Tell me how you're seeing this because I'm open to hearing it. It doesn't mean you're going to convince me. It doesn't mean I'm going to change my stance on it, but I'm open to you telling me what it is you see that I'm doing. And I'm going to take that feedback and I'm going to decide if I'm going to apply that feedback in any way whatsoever. Because I may choose that what you're saying is a big fat fuck you and I yeah. don't care. But I may also see it. And more often than not, I see it and go, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see how I do that thing. And then I ask myself how I can change that thing. I feel like that's the yeah. best we can do anyways. Yeah. But I think that's a good place to stop, don't you? Me too. Me too. Okay. Well. Thank everybody. Thank you guys all for joining us today. Um, I know I appreciate that you all want to listen to us have these intense conversations. I know there's some people that are incredibly triggered and want no part of it. <laughs> the reason that we do it is for that reason. Yeah. So that you can feel triggered and then you can hear what we have to say and maybe do some work on yourself. Because doing the work on myself has been the best thing I've ever done in my life and mm -hmm. it's changed who I am. And it's made me love myself. The hardest and the most rewarding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, and have a great day. We'll see you next week. Definitely.
thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us, two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness, or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always. Oh.